what happened was true. The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. This is the movie that is just as real. Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 101 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we're starting off our new way of covering movies. We're talking about a theme that was chosen on the last episode. So if you want to get a little catch up, go back, listen to 100 and hear our dice roll and how we decide to choose this theme this week or these next couple of weeks is going to be the theme of family. And so we agreed on the movie that I sort of suggested, which is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. of 1974. So, Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb synopsis for TCM? Sure. TSM. <laughs> T, I think TCSM. TCSM, correct. <laughs> uh, five friends head out to rural Texas to visit the grave of a grandfather. On the way, they stumble across what appears to be a deserted house, only to discover something sinister within, something armed with a chainsaw. Leatherface. Leatherface Love. is the one. Armed with the chainsaw. Yes. <laughs> um, by, by the great Toby Hooper. Mm-hmm. So Thomas, I remember you said this is your favorite horror movie. Um, yeah. Talk to us. Tell us about your love for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I like watched this movie late into my film journey, to my love of film, and was a big fan. I love horror movies. I love the experience you sort of get watching these movies in groups. But this was one that was kind of separate from that. Like I always wanted to see it. I knew about all of the sequels and the remakes, and I like was in Rasputin's one day. One day, and I was like, "Oh shit! This on Blu-ray. I should have this on my shelf." And I bought it. And ever since then, I've been watching it pretty much every Halloween, every October. I put this movie on. Just because I, I think it just satisfies all of the things I love about horror movies and all of the things that make horror films so fucking great and so exciting is like I think it's packed into this movie, and I don't know I think it it is a great movie to look to as like a pioneer of like the slasher genre or at least like a very like a very much a tentpole of it. Um, it's 1974. It looks great. I don't think it's aged a bit. I think it's such a gorgeous film and. I don't know. There's great performances. It's a really terrifying and horrific, not very graphic at times, but still very violent, very violent movie. But also I love this movie because it has the audacity to be funny, even though it really isn't billed as a horror comedy. It's not like in the category of Evil Dead 2 or Shaun of the Dead. It's not it's not like in those categories when we talk about horror comedies but this movie is fucking funny in the in the worst (laughs) darkest ways and so i just absolutely love it and i don't know like the it's unfortunate the remakes and sequels don't quite hit this high water mark but i don't know this movie is just it's just fantastic and so when we talked about when you mentioned family as the theme this is one of the first things that came it came into mind so 
Uh, what do you think? What, how do you think it fits into the theme? What's your relationship to Texas Chainsaw? Um, so uh, the first time I saw Texas Chainsaw, I think I was in high school. Um, I was vegan at the time. And <laughs> I remember like reading into it that this movie has like a animal rights uh, message. I don't know how uh, accurate that is. <laughs> like, okay, but I, uh, I, I think maybe you could you could do some mining for a message there. Um but yeah, I remember, yeah, really enjoying it, being really taken aback by it, and how brutal and disturbing it is uh, coming out of 1974. I don't, I don't know what I expect. Like, I, I never expect that. Like, the major sort of uh, mainstream, quote unquote, mainstream horror movies are going to be so disturbing. Um, I figure that you know they have popular appeal and they're a little more um, uh, easier for general audiences to swallow. But man, this movie's fucking... This is rough, man. (laughs) Like, on the rewatch, I was like, this is... I was, like, getting uncomfortable towards the end. I've watched so much disturbing shit, uh, so much gruesome stuff, but, like, every once in a while when I'm watching something, I'm just like, what am I... Why? What are are we doing? (laughs) Why is this happening? What am I getting out of this? Like, uh, and... I don't know. We'll, We'll get into it, but yeah, there's just a level of brutality here that the way it's shot and the sound design and the score all of these things crescendo in a way that feels horrible (laughs) yes yeah it is very it's well done in making you feel horrible um yeah absolutely i had that exact same thought when like i said there's moments that are definitely funny and are played to be like to experience be comedic but also there's it's like juxtaposed by moments that wipe any smile off your face just immediately just by just how i need to know uh, what like you're how talking about when you're saying this is funny <laughs> i mean I, okay so there's there's things in like the end of the movie that i sort of perceive as to be very darkly comedic like that like the the grandfather not being able to hold the hammer i think is is the main thing that's like the big thing where i'm just like okay like this and also just there's sort of the playfulness of the performances kind of comes off in a way where it's like like they are doing terrific things but also like their their relationship is just so like weird and strange that it like the fact that um like the dad i right, make sure to get the character's name right um uh jim sidow sidow's character the way that he's kind of like berating the like the younger siblings for kind of just doing wrong and just like i don't know just the way he sort of his performance comes off has has some moments like this so in the beginning uh edwin neal plays a hitchhiker sort of he they they're the teenagers are driving through texas they're looking to go to this gravesite they pick up this hitchhiker and this hitchhiker is acting very strange inside of their car like he, he's like playing with a knife he like cuts his hand he like he takes a polaroid of them and lights it on fire and they freak out then once he starts to slice franklin's hand they yeah. kick him out and so then he doesn't really appear until the end of the movie and when he shows up he's kind of just like just giddily kind of running like walking and dancing towards the house and it's kind of and he gets uh the old man gets out and just starts like berating him and that's like just the with the performance in their relationship is kind of comedic to me where he's just like you idiot you, it's, it's very slapsticky where it's just like you idiot like you almost got us caught again and it's like i don't know just the way that he's doing it is, is just kind of funny to me yeah i don't know like the hitchhiker that performance he's so animalistic like the way he like yeah. moves he's like 
almost on all fours. He's like kind of jumping around. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's such a bizarre character. Obviously, bad news. Don't let this man in your vehicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> you know. Don't, yeah. I don't know. See, I don't know if I get comedy out of that. Like, I definitely. So I get, definitely understand what you're talking about with like putting the hammer in the grandfather's hand. Like, yeah, it's. it's it's hard for me to call it comedy but it does feel like a joke (laughs) like gosh i I feel it it's amusing it's witty Uh, (laughs) there is wit there there's the cleverness that you would associate with like a setup and a punchline but there's nothing funny about this (laughs) like it is yeah yeah it is such a level it is a surprising level of fucked up uh in the same the same way a punchline is surprising uh comedically i don't know I'm I'm with you. I told yeah. Saying it as like I don't like not putting it in the category of like oh this is like a horror comedy because there are like I was watching the the sequel and it does it plays into that yeah. a little bit more to a degree where I was like this is kind of fucking stupid to me and it takes all of the meaning away from it. But here yeah it's like I would say yeah ninety eight percent horrific and like two percent oh this is kind of amusing <laughs> this is kind of making me laugh just because of the absurdity of yeah. we have this old man when we first see him on screen. He's like he looks like a fucking zombie. Yeah, you think oh, he's no, like ter- a taxidermied person or something. Yeah, it's like they slice Sally's finger and they put the finger inside his mouth and he starts doing a little dance. He starts doing a little. Okay, like... I don't think I realized he was dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does like this little like jig, and I was like, every member of this family does like a little bit of a dance once they finally get to achieve like this level of violence that they yeah. want to. And I was like, okay, I, I sort of understand why. They're all family. They all have this like weird connection. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, not hilarious. Not slide splitting. It's undercut by fucking Sally's horrific screams, and so that definitely makes it bring it down. Like I said, it wipes the smile off my face immediately once I sort of realize, yeah, this person is getting fucking tortured essentially. And like the way it's shot and lit, like there are scenes. It's it's kind of a weird movie. Like uh, there are some scenes where it's kind of like sepia tone. Like it feels like most of the color is drained out of the frame um kind of like in the in the middle of the movie and then when it's nighttime and it's just uh is it sally and uh franklin uh and they're trying to find the others like it's very like harsh blue uh it feels like a harsh moonlight or something is hitting the characters but the lighting is always typically very harsh you have very hard shadows there's no fill really um and the camera work a lot of zooms a lot of like shaky handheld stuff but not like yeah. overbearing shaky like an action movie it's just like it feels a little amateurish but it's obviously very intentional um i was i watched it with a friend and he said it, it almost feels like uh you know the lunatics within the movie are the ones shooting the movie um oh that's a nice observation <laughs> yeah and then towards the end when we get this climax when sally's in the chair and you know she's screaming as you were just saying uh we're getting so many like close-ups long lens stuff is out of focus uh lots of shots of her eye just like darting around the room and it's just it feels fucking gross and sweaty and dirty (laughs) yeah something that should not be happening uh, is a camera capturing footage that shouldn't exist (laughs) and okay we gotta like i gotta rewind and mention just the way this movie opens like so it, it opens with a little uh you know what do you call it a uh, crawl <laughs> saying that like yeah. you know there was all these crimes and blah blah, blah. but uh then we start getting photos taken of corpses and we're just getting like it's a black screen a flash and you see uh meat 
human meat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to a shot, a close-up of a corpse's face. And this is just such an aggressive, harsh way to start a movie. Like, yeah. I want to know, like, what... I wish I could know, like, in 1974, like, how did people feel about this when it came out? Uh, did you do any yeah. reading on that? Uh, it seems like there's, in general, like, some disgust <laughs> in the theaters. I looked up a little bit on the Wikipedia, and, yeah, it seems like, yeah, it, it has that quality. And it, it sort of, there was an interview with Toby Hooper, and they mentioned that, yeah, like, I think Psycho was 68, maybe? Or, I don't know when Psycho came out, but... um. They said that sort of after the late 60s going into the 70s, yeah, everything sort of got ramped up. And yeah, yeah I think this movie is a perfect, yeah, this has, it's like a perfect cross section between, yeah, like Vietnam's happening. So already the general psyche of America is just, is already yeah. really like abrasive and dark and dealing with a lot of violent images on TV. But also, yeah, we have like these slasher movies that are coming out and, yeah, this is like a great independent film sort of coming out in that era. And yeah, it feels like, yeah, this would be one of those movies that would just completely disgust everyone. I know Alien was like 79, so we're still getting in this era of like, we're just pushing the limits of like what people are willing to see. And I think it's really also worth noting that Toby Hooper was saying that like, yeah, it'd be great to make this movie and get a G rating and like to, and to, to shy away from the gore as much as possible and do it in like implied ways. And I think that's yeah. really stuck out to me during this watch when I was like, yeah, we're seeing horrific shit 100%, but we're not getting like those close ups and like blood splurts and shit like that. It's all kind of framed in a way where you're not really focusing on it. And I think, and I think it's also been established in, like, maybe in film science, I have no backup for this, but, yeah, like, the implying of violence makes your mind do the work. Yeah. And it's sort of, like, it's way more effective when, you know, someone gets put on a meat hook, but exactly. we only yeah. stick on their face. And, like, we're just seeing her react to her boyfriend get fucking sliced up. That, it's just, like, disgusting. That scene, yeah, really stood out to me because, yeah, she gets... We see the meat hook, we see her back approach it, and I think we get a shot from the front of, like, Leatherface picking her up and, like, putting her down. There might be, like, a fast cut of just, like, a close-up on her torso, but, like, the front, not the back. Um, yeah. And there's something about, like, the abrupt stop as her body comes down onto the hook, where it's, like, her body can go no further onto that hook. Like, that hook is yeah. fully in her back. Uh, it makes it so effective. Like, we don't need to see it. We know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. it is so effective. Yeah. Also, to you know, once again reference that interview, they sort of mentioned, I think it was Gunnar Hansen, the guy who played Leatherface, he sort of pointed out that, um, no, no, it was the director. Was the director mentioning that the, this is called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and this is a movie about cannibals, but never the word cannibals never said. It's never yeah. uttered. It's, so it's sort of it's one of those other things that's just implied. It's like when you stop at the gas station in the first half of this movie, and they're like trying to get gas. And also, my favorite line in the movie now is, and he's like, "You boys don't want to go messing around no house." And it's like, there, "There's your warning. Yeah. <laughs> like you, the, the man is giving you a very clear warning." He's those like, girls don't want to go wanna, down there. <laughs> you, you don't want to go messing around that house. And like, like, listen to him. That is very good advice for driving through mysterious 1974 South Texas. But on the sign above the gas station, there's like a, I think it's fresh slaughtered barbecue or something like that. Or no, it says we slaughter barbecue, and just like. 
yeah, just like it, just this implication of just like terrible things are happening if you just pay attention to these details yeah. a little bit more, you'll sort of get it. I was going to ask you: Are there any like details in this movie that like really stuck out to you on this rewatch? Stood out to me. Oh, I mean, I just I think I got caught up in the cinematography in a way that I didn't expect to. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know that there are any like little details that really stood out to me. Um, the pig squealing that is associated with Leatherface is yeah beautiful and horrific. Um, I kind of like I'll, I'll let you do. Yeah, what what did you what stood out to you? Little details. Um, another really fucked up thing is like when later in the film, when uh, Leatherface uh, kills Franklin and initiates this long chase that kind of takes place for the rest of this movie, and Sally kind of runs into the house and escapes out the top window and then proceeds to get chased back to the gas station. When she sort of gets this small little brief moment where she thinks she's safe inside the gas station, I didn't notice there's also a meat hook on the wall directly behind her. And I was like, fuck, that like. Just, it's one of those things where it kind of it's an older filmmaking thing where you, you, the frame is just filled with details and I don't know in the more modern movies I feel like there would be a moment about that there'd be more like oh there's a gonna do a close up of it and kind of really emphasize that something is in the room and it might be dangerous but it's just there it's on the wall it's in the background and it's not really not even lit that well it's just like you can it's like a blink and you miss it kind of thing yeah um I kind of want to talk about, like, uh, so I think uh, perhaps a criticism of this movie uh, is that, like, it doesn't really feel like this is, what is this movie saying? <laughs> and I think that's, like, okay. so, so I, I want to use that as kind of a segue as, to get into, so I had this animal rights reading way back in the day, which I feel like is very surface level, um, which is just that on the way in, they're talking about, like, slaughterhouses and how I think one of the girls comments, like, it's cruel to do that to animals. Uh, but she, like, still wants to eat meat or something. Like, she doesn't want to know about the process of, like, slaughtering. Um, yeah, I think Pam says that. Yeah. Our astrology girl. And then, like, the hitchhiker has, like, footage of, like, slaughtered... Or uh, photographs of slaughtered animals, right? Yeah, because, uh, yeah, his grandfather worked there. <laughs> yeah. And then, so... so we get that we get all the taxidermy stuff the the pig squealing noises uh it, it, people getting hung on meat hooks and so it's really just trying to reduce humans down to meat uh like yeah. they eat they eat meat they eat humans <laughs> they're cannibals yes, yes so it's like the movie is trying to yeah uh flatten the relationship between cattle and humanity in a way that i think could be seen as like this is uh, sort of a an animal rights movie. <laughs> like this is a critique of the way we treat animals. Yeah, it's sort of it's kind of putting the mirror up to the methods that humans are so used to, or even like unknowing. There's if it's almost invisible, where it's like if you don't watch these things, if you never, sorry, if you don't, if you're not aware of the methods in which that we attain like meat on such a mass scale, it can be very easy just to ignore it and not know about it. Yeah. I think about um, fucking. Retsky's class at SFSU when he played us the French slaughterhouse footage as a as a part of his horror film kind of I don't know if I saw uh, that oh this was yeah, part of was, horror class yeah it was oh, part okay. of the horror curriculum um I don't know if he might have had like different weekends or like done it over I took different uh, months. I took horror with Kerner 
Aaron Kerner. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt Kerner, also badass, fucking awesome dude. But, yeah. um, yeah, Rusky, yeah, he showed us fucking slaughterhouse footage from, like, a, like a French slaughterhouse in, like, the 50s or the 60s or around that time. It's all black and white. But, yeah, it's incredibly horrific just to see, like, organs and all that kind of shit, the, the inner workings of an animal, like, kind of just get processed and... Yeah, I don't, I know. My, one of my favorite moments in this movie is when they first start talking about it. Franklin's explaining. It's like, first the smell hits them. They're like, oh, what's that horrible smell? He's like, oh, yeah, that's the old slaughterhouse. And he has, like, this fascination with the way that he talks about it. And then he, like, says, I forget what line leads into it. I think he literally says, uh, sometimes they, uh, they like, they hit, like, they hit him over the head. And sometimes they skin him first before they even kill, him, kill them. And then there's a brief cut of a drooling cow. Like oh, it's like a, yeah. a nice like close up of like the drooling cow, and then it kind of continues. The but movie just, doesn't have well, too much of that. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I I sort of see where you're coming from. Where it, it could give us a little. I bit more I think it's interesting that it has it at all. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Props for them for fucking having it. It could just be just a straight slasher with none of those moments. But yeah, it's it definitely stuck out. Where I'm like, yeah, like the way that this family is obtaining their meat for their barbecue is yeah. yeah just a very sickening extension of how we do this to cows and yeah i don't know it, it's like it, a little bit of a little bit of an eisenstein sort of montage theory moment yes absolutely <laughs> yeah we're gonna show you one image show you another <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and then you, you sort it's up to you to sort of infer this connection yeah um oh yeah another thing that stood out to me in this movie uh, you don't often see a character in a wheelchair in a horror movie. I feel like yeah. uh, it feels kind of obvious to uh, have your character be very vulnerable right out of the gate. Um, yeah. In this case, by having mobility issues. Um, I feel like if it was more of a thing, it would feel exploitative. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because like, we have horror movies with like blind characters and you know stuff like that. And... Yeah. Or there's horror movies that rely on sort of having a child there and that, that yeah, sort of being ramp it up. one of the things. Um, I, I really didn't think I would relate to Franklin as much as I did on this rewatch. Like maybe I, I had a couple of bad summer day trips or something, but when he's like struggling to like wield himself into the house and like, there's just like laughter and giggling happening upstairs. I was like, damn man. So he's, he's like really fucking left out and like the, yeah. like the, I love the shot of him rolling up to the house. He like, spits out the sausage and like yeah. struggles to get over the first thing he starts doing like this like uh spitting kind of like fuck you kind of sound like like the kind of thing where he's like just like oh yeah if i have any more fun i think i'll i just can't take it and he's kind of just like having a really angry moment and then he rolls himself into the door frame and hurts himself and it's just like it's, he's really struggling man yeah well, and I, I forgot that. everything works <laughs> like, out for him though right <laughs> yeah for a brief moment i totally forgot that he does not make it out of this movie and, yeah. it's very sudden too yeah and that's, that's what i appreciate i think it kind of breaks the rules in a really cool way i know in our horror movie from way back when i'm sorry our horror episode from way back when when we sort of had our top five favorite mm -hmm. horror movies and i brought this up you mentioned something you at least the way that you worded it was really awesome when you when we get the first death of this movie when kirk goes in and gets kind of bashed over the head and dragged into the into the kitchen and leatherface slams the door you mentioned that it, it feels like an exclamation point yeah to like, like a sentence and 
yeah, I really appreciated the wording of that. And I was thinking about that when I was watching it this time. And I was very much waiting for that moment to happen. And I don't know, it's, it's always very effective. And it goes back to what you mentioned about the sound design. Just like the sound of the door shutting is more powerful and more impactful than the violence that preceded it. I don't know, man. Like, he just, like, what a deep, like, the fact that they have him twitch on the ground and, like, shaking his legs around. It's like, he could just hit him in the head and then, you know, hit him in the head again. That could be it. But, like, having his legs thrash around just, like, elevates it so much more and makes it so much more disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt about um, Pam kind of crawling out of the, the freezer when he, like, goes to bring in... Uh, Jerry and I was just like fuck like she's still kind of yeah. like has some and life the way in her and Leatherface just kind of throws her in like she feels like a ragdoll she's <laughs> like, fucked up yeah it's yeah. really hardcore really gnarly um, yeah just those moments definitely stuck out just like yeah this is something we shouldn't be watching something that we really shouldn't be seeing we're really getting a peer into a, a, like a deeply fucked up psychology here yeah it feels like there is a certain cruelty and aggression like in the way he handles her like within the performance not like it 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 feels like she was like yeah feel free like to like if i get hurt so be it it'll look good like sort of thing uh i don't at least i hope it was you know consensual (laughs) yeah hopefully yeah (laughs) yeah but um i don't know man like it, it just yeah the feeling that like perhaps the actors themselves are vulnerable to harm it like adds an element of danger Uh, yeah absolutely yeah and this is way before the time of having people on set just to sort of make sure everyone's feeling comfortable and safe and okay with all these things like that's a very sort of modern thing but you know when we're in the the wild west of 70s filmmaking it's it's kind of just like we have maybe two shots maybe three takes to sort of get the stuff and so it has like that recklessness feeling to it where yeah you don't know it's like I'm, I'm sure people walked away very bruised and like physically and mentally from the sort of this, this things that they had to witness and go through. Um, so yeah, you proposed this for family. What do you want to talk a little bit about the, uh, how that ties in? I, I just really appreciate the idea that it's like family on both sides where, uh, the family on the, the, the victim side is the Hardesty family. We have Sally and Franklin. So they're, brother and sister and they're like they sort of are going on this like group trip uh feels like yeah like this is just like the worst detour of all time like you could just yeah. go pay respects to the grave go find a swimming hole or something like that get get to a hotel get to safety but they're sort of just like meandering through the south and i don't know it feels just really dangerous and it, it reminds me of just like i've been on a lots of road trips and lots of like family trips where like we're just sort of like out there in the street, like like out there on the highways, yeah, and kind of go wrong. you're always, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you sort of get like, <laughs> you just have those like moments where you're just like going from state to state. You're going from like, you know, you're like in the middle of fucking nowhere, and you're just surrounded by woods, and you get those those thoughts where it's like, what goes on out there in that like that mysterious brush? But also, I think yeah, the family aspect of this was sort of carried on in two a little bit. I watched like the first half of it. And so this kind of, again, stuck with that dynamic where there's like the old, like an old man kind of character kind of directing Leatherface. And he's like the person committing the acts that he sort of isn't willing to do. 
but also I appreciate here that we have just like the this family sort of being taxidermied and kind of kept alive in this weird state and like when Sally runs upstairs it's like another moment I love in this movie she goes upstairs and yeah like she sees like this the corpse of a grandmother there's the grandfather and because to the there's a dog also I that's know, being I was like, they like have a do- that was the thing where i did laugh at that <laughs> yeah and it's like all right of course you gotta have, have the pup <laughs> like this is a night like they still have sensibilities of like having a, like, a sort of family here yeah, and yeah be, it's, it's yeah, a unit. <laughs> yeah exactly you have to be a unit and the dog is a part of that and it's incredibly fucked up and yeah i don't know like the fact that yeah the old man doesn't do it and he's sort of having the children kind of take parts in this horrific shit and he's kind of like the face of this business he's like the one selling quote-unquote barbecue and gas or whatever to the people you know it has a really interesting dynamic um also i recently like within the last two years or so played um final fantasy uh, fucking resident evil 7 and that's a game where it also kind of plays on this setup of like a person stumbling into a family of killers that sort of dials it up to where each character kind of has their own vibe their own like sort of way that the enemies are and like there's also more movie references like one of the like the younger brother whatever kind of like has like a a saw vibe where your character gets trapped in a place and kind of has to like escape this death trap and i don't know the old man kind of is like constantly walking around and chasing you in a way that's sort of like Leatherface where he moves sort of slowly but it's a big lumbering force inside the room and I don't know just also the dinner scene table just made me think of yeah like this is just like the worst possible family you could imagine coming in contact with and I don't know (laughs) it's just something that I think about a lot when I watch this movie yeah all right well is there anything else and the dancing the, the dance. Exactly. Yeah, they all have they all have their little like dance. They share a love of dance. His, yes. He has his little gorgeous chainsaw dance at the end. The grandpa does his little 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 jig, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think yeah, it is a, it is clearly a family. There's clearly a relationship. There's clearly a dynamic that's going on, and yeah, it's just tied into the fact that it's a slasher and like this is the absolute worst family you would ever want to meet. So that's why I thought of it. Um, so I just read that Toby Hooper noted that at the rap party that all cast members had obtained some level of injury during the course of making it this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, can imagine. There's um some an outtake video for the 40th anniversary on YouTube, and so it's cool sort of seeing some of some shots that weren't used, or also just like different angles where you sort of get to see the veil get lifted up a little bit mm-hmm. and see how they. Like the like the Sally jumping out the window, so she's like standing on a some planks of wood, and she's holding these two pieces of glass, and she jumps down and like slams them on the ground as she falls. And also, there's more cuts of the other. Oh, there's a, a shot, kind of like a behind the scenes of uh, when the hitchhiker gets ran over by the the big rig. So they have like this dummy oh, yeah. that's kind of standing there, gets eaten up by the tires, and I don't know. It's it's kind of cool seeing those those really old filmmaking techniques. Um, anything else on Texas Chainsaw? Um, just one last detail that I think I appreciate in this movie a lot is when they're inside of the van in the first half of this movie, and they sort of once they pick up the hitchhiker inside the van, it's like all of the windows are like just super overexposed and super white, and it kind of gives it this weird 
dreamlike quality. Mm. And I don't know, it just really stuck out to me this time while watching it that, yeah, they're all kind of in there, but it feels like, yeah, like they're already sort of dead. They're yeah. already sort of driving they're towards. They're journeying into hell. Yeah, this like just this unknown place where there's nothing really surrounding you. And yeah, and also, yeah, just the tons of details of like, a person screaming at the screen be like fucking don't do that just like yeah like they walk towards the the sound of like a generator and they're like oh, oh yeah maybe if i give him some money and trade him my guitar and like he's like kind of just like like, like finding a way to like get some gasoline from this guy but he like just completely oblivious to the fact that he's just walking into this death yeah. trap he lifts up the like the the netting and there's just tons of cars that are just like really shoddily hidden and just like there's so many signs, so many yeah. fucking red flags <laughs> like leading up to this house to the point where I almost like I didn't feel bad. I was like, these kids are fucking stupid, but yeah. I don't know. It's really it's great. Like, why are you going? Why would you ever <laughs> enter a house that you didn't own? Like, if no yeah. one's answering. Like, yeah. that's insane to me. <laughs> like, you knock, yeah. there's no answer. And you're like, I guess I'm going to go in. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's like, oh, I found a tooth. Let's do a There's high Your girlfriend, here's place. a tooth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this. Yeah. And also the, the stumbling into the the room filled with bones that's like covered in chicken hair chicken feathers yeah. um that that one always that like moment always really gets me is just the fact that there's just fucking feathers everywhere on the ground it just feels really gross that's like one of the like yeah yeah one of the grossest kind of moments that comes from a horror movie that isn't directly just like gore or torture porn or something really violent happening it's just like the strangeness and the the weirdness and all of that really works for me and i think that's why I, I hold it in such high regard and yeah i do appreciate your your sort of your criticisms of it though I, do, I think those are all valid i mean i don't i don't really have too many criticisms it's just it's really just I, when i walk away from it i'm like that was horrific effectively <laughs> yeah. but yeah. what what was it <laughs> like is it just trying to achieve horror uh it doesn't if so it does a great job if it's trying to communicate communicate anything beyond that uh this movie has something to say maybe i'm missing it maybe it made more sense in the vietnam era uh i would have maybe i would have connected with it uh more yeah yeah it's weird (laughs) when i was watching a little bit of two and they're like making just like full-on vietnam like ho chi minh jokes and i was like this is like just totally missing the mark and not working for me it's like i'm fine with like the subtle stuff like little hints of it but yeah, make just making like oh Vietnam, ha ha ha, just like just doesn't really work for me in the second one. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. There is a section themes and analysis, and it does have a section on vegetarianism. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, writer director Guillermo del Toro became a vegetarian for a time after seeing the film. Uh, Toby Hooper it. has confirmed that it's a film about meat, and even gave up meat while making the film, saying, "In a way, I thought the heart of the film was about meat. It's about the chain of life and killing of sentient beings." Okay, so yeah, I was onto something. I wasn't dreaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, shout out to my vegetarians. Shout out to my vegans. You're you're doing the Lord's work that I am too weak willed to do. When, uh, I, I... <laughs> yeah, I'll get there when my doctor says I have to. So. <laughs> it's like chicken sandwiches are just so fucking good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, I think that might be it. What have you been watching this week? This week I saw Ty West's X. Um, awesome. I thought it was. Did you see it? No, I okay. have not. I thought it was just okay. Um, Emily saw it. She wasn't that into it. Our my buddy Carl, who's been on the show before, he saw it. He he really likes it. Um, I thought Mia Goth gives a 
a really good performance. I think the makeup in that movie is incredible. <laughs> like it deserves Academy okay. Award for its makeup. Like it's ridiculously good. Um, I would love that for a horror movie to get that. But uh, ultimately, I feel like you know it's some effective build up, some effective deaths. But uh, I kind of wish the payoff we got a little bit more payoff. Uh, it kind of feels. Like you get, uh, you understand what is happening in the movie, and then you don't get to explore it too much. Um, hmm. and maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe maybe people were satisfied with that. Uh, I was doing like a, one of those like streaming watch parties with a couple friends. Uh, I also had some technical issues that were a little distracting, <laughs> so like I didn't see it under the best circumstances. But um, yeah, I, I I thought it was just okay. Um, I also saw Barbarian, the new movie from, I, I forget who the director is, but I know he is one of the members of The Whitest Kids You Know, which I did not realize until after I saw the movie. Um, okay. And it kind of makes sense uh, after seeing the movie. Uh, I didn't know much about it except from what I saw from the trailer. Uh, and the trailer does a good job of not revealing too much. Uh, the trailer basically, the, the premise of Barbarian is that uh, a woman goes to... And check in at her Airbnb, and she discovers that there's already someone in there who booked the uh, house on a different website. And so they're like, okay, like, how are we going to resolve this? Like, they both see each other's uh, reservations, like, they're legitimate. Um, so the guy says, all right, how about you just come in? You know, you stay the night here. It's kind of a dangerous neighborhood. It's raining out. Like, I don't want you to have to. There's a. There's a convention in the city. Like, you're not going to be able to find a place. Like, just... just uh, the classic. Yeah, just the chill here. <laughs> um, There's and, no hotels anywhere. Yeah. And so that's all you need to know. I don't want to say too much. It's... Uh, it is... The buildup is so fucking effective. <laughs> like, I okay. was having a great time with this movie. Um, once awesome. you get to the payoff, it, it's kind of the opposite of X. Like, X, I feel like we didn't get enough payoff. Barbarian, you get quite a bit of payoff, and it to the point where it's like, oh, this is what this movie is now. Like, it's <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I wasn't sure. Like, I I felt like I yeah, I had so much payoff that I had to like readjust. <laughs> like, I was okay. like, okay, now like I feel yeah. I don't want to say too much, but uh, but yeah, it yeah. it did take me some adjust readjusting to like what the movie became. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. I got to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's. I don't think it's one of those rush out and see movies. A lot of people are saying like it is the horror movie of the season. Uh, it's a solid okay. watch. Like if you if you're craving a horror movie in the theater, you're gonna have a good time with Barbarian. Um, okay, and, might have to do a, a apartment watch for that yeah. one. And I think that's it for me. Uh, how about you? Okay. What have you been watching? Let me drink some water real quick. Some dasu. Okay, so this week, sort of catching up on all of the TV. Um, yeah, so Atlanta returned, and I adore the show. I feel like so many episodes of the show were made speaking directly to me with just my sensibilities absolutely in mind. Um, the opening of this season, it has some stuff that's kind of taken from the headlines a little bit. It opens up with like a, a, a looting happening inside of like a, a massive department store. Um, but the main uh, core of the episode has to deal with these characters sort of, it's like a commentary on being like trapped in your hometown. And it's like a play on just like this kind of, yeah, just sort of like this perpetual 
like trapped feeling of just being like, oh, like how many years have we been here? And I don't know, it really resonated with me a lot as someone who's, who when I'm not living in Korea, at least still I'm living in the town I went to high school with. I'm living, I'm sleeping in the bedroom I was sleeping in when I was fucking 12 and 13 years old and seeing people I've been seeing around for quite a bit of time. And it, it really kind of stuck with me. And there's also a, a little bit of a subplot that's kind of referencing uh, the death of MF Doom. And so mm. it just came out really strong in this season. So I'm fucking bummed it's the last season, but it's fucking really, really good. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Atlanta. Um, but also another show that kind of is coming back uh, that I thought I was going to be really in love with because I was in the past, but I've sort of, I feel like I finally have starting to age out of it a little bit is Rick and Morty. Mm. And uh, it's in the it's sixth season. It just the I think the third episode just came out this past Sunday, and yeah, it's just not making me laugh like it was before. And I don't want to attribute to that to like not smoking weed before watching it because I feel like I've that shouldn't be the only reason why I enjoy a show. But yeah, I, like there's this whole thing that a lot of comedy creators have kind of mentioned on of being like, you can talk about serious stuff, you can do your deep lore into your characters, and you can even rip stuff right out of the headlines like they were doing on the boondocks with Aaron Magruder. But even Aaron Magruder was like, we're a comedy show first. Like we're here to make you laugh. That's kind of what we're here for. Recently, Quinta Brunson of Abbott Elementary was on Twitter talking about, it was after the Uvalde, the terrible fucking Uvalde shootings. And people are like, you should do an episode about that in your show. She's like, fuck no. Like that's not why I'm here. Like Like I'm here to do a comedy show. I'm here to sort of give you a window away from those things. And I feel like Atlanta sort of understands that, too, because there's little gags and references to, like I said, like MF Doom or like this, like this viral video of like there was looting happenings. There's like there's a white woman in a wheelchair who like was brandishing a knife at people trying to get people to like stay away from the store. And they kind of take that to a very far extreme where that character is just chasing around a character. <laughs> She's just chasing Darius around the entire episode. And it's just like, it's just really absurd and funny. And yeah, they could take that moment to get very political or talk about deep racial issues, which the show absolutely does a lot. But it feels like Atlanta understands that it's good to have jokes. It's okay to be slapstick. It's okay to like make these moments more lean towards comedy because that's sort of ultimately why we're here and why we're here to kind of enjoy the show. And I don't know, I think, yeah, Rick and Morty kind of has missed that beat a little bit. They're, they're mentioning that this like new writers, like, like a, their writing staff is more like younger writers now. And Dan Harmon's kind of taken, it's kind of stepped away a little bit. And I don't know. I think for those first three or four seasons, it, it did feel like one of the best cartoons out right now. And one of the funniest shows and, something I really enjoyed and something I rewatched constantly, but not a single episode of the season has really stuck huh. with me. Or How many episodes like are good. already? Uh, just three. Three. Okay. Yeah. The second episode is like making fun of Die Hard, and there's a lot of really lazy Die Hard jokes that I just wasn't really into. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I had a moment, a little reflective moment where I feels like, I think I'm finally aging out of the show, mm-hmm. which is a totally fine, natural thing to do. It happens. You sort of, at least for longer running TV shows, typically animation, typically sitcoms, you like it might resonate really hard, or it might connect with you directly for a little bit of time, yeah. and then life changes, you move on, it's kind of the situation alters or whatever, and then it just doesn't really hit the same. And I don't know, having that with Rick and Morty, and it's totally cool. 
Um, what what is the longest there. running sitcom that has like the the sitcom that stayed with you over the years where like you you didn't age out of it and it kept going and going and it stayed good would that be like curb or something no not curb <laughs> a lot, like those a lot of shows i've like binged where i've just like been in a month long period where i just like watched 10 years of content within okay. a couple of weeks but honestly if i had to pick one it would be the simpsons because it kind of it comes and goes where there like when i was younger watching tv watching UPN reruns, like reruns, um, fucking love that show. Quoted it endlessly. Sort of really shaped how I see jokes and how I see comedy mm-hmm. and how I see writing. And then get a little bit older, Futurama comes out, and I'm like, okay, this is way better right now. And, yeah. But every time I revisit The Simpsons, and I talk to my buddy Adam, who's been on the show, and buddy RC, and I like we sort of agree that we there will be good episodes in bad seasons and there will be it's even more possible for be just like good jokes or good moments amongst a really kind of stale season and that's a show where the voices have sort of changed 10 times over where like people say like the first 10 seasons is the only part that you should watch and there's some people that say like well it sucks it's really great then it kind of dips down in quality but it's still funny it doesn't really become zombie simpsons until you're to like season 15 or like like towards seasons 20 now it's like deep in the 30s at this point where it's just been going on for so long where it's it's kind of hard to tell like who this show is for who is it speaking to but i don't know every time they do a treehouse of horror episode i love it like a few years ago they uh, did a parody of parasite that i thought was really funny and i don't know they have an ability to sort of capture certain things in the zeitgeist and and capitalize on it in a way that I think is great in ways that I think family guy kind of fails at it and other shows kind of fail at it where it, it still like can be charming and heartfelt. And that, that would be the main one I picked just because it's been going on for yeah. longer than I've been alive. Yeah, and it crazy. still managed, it still manages to make me laugh sometimes. So definitely the Simpsons. I was just looking up, uh, when I, I remember being a kid and seeing the behind the episode, the la- behind the laughter episode uh, from 2000 <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that was the f- episode where i i was like i don't think this is good <laughs> like yeah. like that was that was the episode where i realized i wasn't inter- into the simpsons anymore there was that and then there was the like join the navy yvonne et- etniage <laughs> and like i remember being, oh i like, love yeah that's, you like that uh, yeah, that. <laughs> i remember being, yeah that's like <laughs> then there was also like uh save me jeebus like uh homer going yeah there's some yeah on a mission or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, the missionary episode is a tough one. I remember that one made me laugh. I know that one very specifically. That one made me laugh the hardest I ever did as a, a younger child because it starts off, the episode gets set up with he, like, Homer, he wants to, like, he wants to, like, he lies about a donation to PBS. And when they find out that his donation is a false donation, he doesn't have the money, they send a bunch of PBS characters out to attack him and kill him, essentially. So there's, like, Elmo and Mr. Rogers. Like, now, I just thought that was the funniest fucking thing I'd ever seen. I was probably, like, like 10, like 9 or 10 or some shit like that. But, yeah, I totally get it. There's a lot of jokes that don't age well, little things, segues to other countries that just feel just, like, really contrived and repetitive. And all of those things are valid. And... I don't know. It had way more heart in its younger years, and it's very clear. You can look at, like, the writing staff and, like, just the people that were involved, and they're all fucking amazing. Like, Brad Bird, Conan O'Brien, fucking, like, it's, like, really 
powerhouses like working on that show and yeah now it's even stranger i have a, a buddy i knew in high school who like someone i like knew and now he's an animator on that show oh, wow. so it kind of just it just kind of goes to show that yeah it's i give it props for being around i think it's still great in some ways but it's an interesting thing yeah, people who grew up on it are working on it now which is pretty cool yeah fucking bizarre um and then lastly final shout out to house of the dragon going really fucking strong um friend of the show friend of us uh gavin murray was out here working on a film set um this past weekend so i got to hang out with him that's so cool and yeah i saw that yeah, on your yeah. Instagram. it was great seeing him yeah. um but he, he's a notorious he's very uh blunt about this he doesn't like fantasy mm. doesn't like lord of the rings doesn't like that kind of stuff and when he started mentioning house of the dragon i was like oh shit you like this show i can't really believe it and it's i i don't know i haven't talked to a lot of people in person about this show but that's interesting to me that he doesn't like fantasy like he loves horror yeah. he loves like he was he was writing a werewolf movie i'm pretty sure yeah yeah i think it's specifically like uh, cloaks and scepter yeah like <laughs> wizard kind of yeah magic kind of fantasy which i totally understand i mean it, it it's not for everyone it can be a little silly but yeah i think the house of the dragon is going really strong um i don't want to spoil too much because i think i still hope you would watch I, I the watched first the first episode. season or not the first season the first episode yeah. uh okay. and i really enjoyed it i so i watched a little bit of the lord of the rings show and yeah. then I watched, and I was like, oh, like, it looks a lot better than I thought it would. Like, I was mostly impressed visually. Um, I, like, couldn't, didn't pay enough attention to really, like, grasp the characters and stuff. Um, okay. Then I went over and watched House of the Dragon, and I was like, man, like, they got me. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like, I want, I, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to keep watching it. Yeah, and, and sort of going back to when I was mentioning Kuso, like, yeah, I watched House of the Dragon before watching Kuso. And sorry, spoilers for House of the Dragon. Yeah, the C section scene in that fucked me up. Like, I was literally having trouble falling asleep that night because that image was stuck in my mind. And it was really upsetting. Because, like I said, I was smoking weed and I had to, like, literally stop. I had to put my blunt down. I was like, okay, this is kind of like fucking with me on a really physical level. And and again, we sort of mentioned, of like, why are we watching this? Like, why, what are we doing here? Yeah. And that was a moment when I was just like, yeah. like why? Like, why? There, there are moments why? in movies that are so disturbing that you have an existential crisis. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the moment of TV. I was like, is this what the nation is going to gather around every Sunday night to watch? Is just, just this yeah, this horrific is things happening to body around the water cooler. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this is uh, this is not a good sign for <laughs> the state of the nation. But yeah, I think since then it's it's been fucking fantastic, shot beautifully. I think I appreciate that it's all focusing on one house, kind of like one struggle for this like lineage kind of thing happening. But also, I'm not sure if you're aware, there's going to be a time jump. Mm, there's going to be like a ten year Spoilers. time jump. <laughs> no, Sorry, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, like, so the two young actresses, uh, Millie Alcock and Emily Carey, they're playing these characters for the first um, five episodes. And so episode six, which is coming out this coming Sunday, is the first of, of, of a time jump. And so I just want to give props to them for doing an amazing job. I think they're, they're honestly carrying the show as opposed to Patty Considine and Matt Smith. They're also really great, but I think those two young actresses are just fantastic. All right, no, that's a little long-winded, but that's oh. it for me. That's all. <laughs> and then, uh, no, no, that's fine. Um, next week, 
it's my choice for family. Yes. Uh, so I know I mentioned last week that the first thing that came to mind was Fast and the Furious. I am sorry to disappoint you. I'm not choosing the Fast and the Furious. Um, it's okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre got me in the mood for another very disturbing movie about family. <laughs> uh, it is Takashi Miike's Visitor Q. Have you seen Visitor Ooh. Q? No, I haven't. Okay. So yeah, next week we will talk about the very fucked up movie visitor Q. it's weird talking about like movies like final flash and kuso and shit like that on here because it's like i know some of my family listens to this <laughs> same like, here same they're here. never gonna be able to watch these movies that were uh, i hope i hope they don't uh, i would yeah. i do not wish this upon them but i wish it upon yeah, you thomas my... <laughs> yes that's totally fine yeah i gave my parents a warning i was like yeah you might want to skip 99 to 100 but we're, <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna still give you things to listen to in the future right sweet and sorry just also maybe to clarify on air so you're gonna choose and then i'm gonna choose or like we're gonna and then next week uh after we watch oh wait no yeah next week's visitor queue the week after that it's gonna be your choice and uh during the episode where we record your choices movie uh at the end we will roll a die figure out a new theme and then decide on air a movie to go with that theme for the next gotcha okay Cool. So it's kind of like a group choice, yeah. and then we sort of do our thing. Group choice, okay. then individual choices. So I was like, yeah, I felt, I was like, oh, it feels unfair that I like, I felt like I choose two and you no, choose I one. Agreed. I agreed. I agreed with Texas Chainsaw. Okay. So. All right, coolio. Well, it seems like that's been episode one hundred one of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com or tweet at us at vaguezone on the Twitters. Let us know what you think about the House of the Dragon, Matt Smith. Patty Constantine, do you think he'll survive? Do you think he's going to be healthy? He's a, a very sick king on that throne. That is actively hurting him, which I think is really fucking cool. Um, but yeah, once again, it was doing a little bit different. So yeah, we're, this theme currently is family. So next week is going to be the film by Takashi Miike. So yeah, this has been episode 101. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll see you next week. Oh. Thank you.